I'm going to ask you to go to Luke chapter 1. I love this time of year. As you already know, Christmas is my favorite. I like it better than Thanksgiving. I was so just, last week I wanted to move to Australia because Dan said they don't even have Thanksgiving in Australia. They just (laughs) go straight to Christmas. (laughs) But uh, I, I love it so much, and I'm so thankful for all of these incredible stories in this uh, history that we have around this time of year. And if you go to Luke chapter 1, I mean, we can, we can argue all day over whether or not Jesus was born on December 25th. The, the point is, he's, he was born. And uh, so I'm, I'm grateful that he was born. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 26. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the most high will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even just to let her know that other miracles are happening to strengthen her and encourage her, he said, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I wonder if we could just say that together. Can we say that together on the count of three? One, two, three. No word for God will ever fail. That's powerful. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to gather to hear your word. We ask that over these moments we have together, you would speak clearly to us. Let us hear you like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Man, my favorite theme of this Christmas story is summed up in the angel's words to Mary, do not be afraid. I think that one of the main uh, ideas we have around Christmas, one of the main things that Jesus came to, to deal with was fear. And I love that every time someone encounters an angel, and it happens often in this Christmas story, the Bible says in Luke chapter 1, when Zechariah encounters the angel, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And then in Luke chapter 1, we just read verses 26 through 30. The angel appears to Mary, and she's troubled at this greeting. And he says to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
In Luke chapter 2, which we talked about last week, Pastor Dan, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Dan Lee? And I love that man so much. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, he says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And I came to make an announcement today. Do not be afraid. I know the times we are living in, there's a lot of fear going on. There's a lot to even naturally be afraid of, but we don't have to be afraid. I'll give you three reasons why you don't have to be afraid. They're the three we find in this story. You don't have to be afraid, number one, because God hears your prayers. Come on, does anybody in the room believe that God still hears your prayers? I love this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth because the, the angel comes at a time when they probably have stopped praying for children. They old, real old. As a matter of fact, I can imagine Zechariah when the angel shows up and he says, hey, I heard your prayer. Your wife is going to have a baby. Zechariah is like, Lord, we prayed that prayer 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's not possible now. But God says it doesn't matter. Listen, there's no time limit on prayer when you serve a God of the impossible. Come on, so you can, you can be confident of this, that you might be entering into a season where God starts to answer prayers you prayed in your teenage years, in your 20s, and in your 30s, stuff you believe in God to do for decades. I believe that God can show up in this season. Come on and do it. Christmas is an announcement that God hears your prayer. And then he tells Mary, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because you have favor with God. Come on, that means the grace of God is on your life. You're not trying to earn it. You're not trying to deserve it. God just shows up. Somebody's like, well, you know, she was a virgin, and, and that qualified her. Listen to me. It was Jerusalem thousands of years ago. Virgins were everywhere. It's not 2023 in the Bible. You could throw a quarter up in the air and hit 10 of them. She found favor. Favor is the unmerited blessing, kindness, goodness of God. And you have it this season. And God wants you to know over this Christmas season that he hears your prayers and you've got favor with God. The grace of God is on your life. And you don't have to be afraid, number three, because you've got good news. In a world filled with bad news, you have good news. The good news is not that your situation is good. The good news is that no matter your situation, God is with you. Is there anybody in the room who just wants to put your hands together and thank the Lord that during this season, it's a reminder. Hey, listen, because loneliness is high in this season. Depression increases in this season. I feel it, don't you? It feels like every day we come to church, it's raining outside, there's clouds, it's cold. This is real. This seasonal depression thing, it's real. This time of year where we come together and there's supposed to be so much joy, it almost feels like Merry Christmas sounds like, Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, you will be merry. It's like, but everything isn't merry. And God came to tell people in a time where everything isn't merry, just like in this day, where the Jews were occupied by Rome. I got good news that in the middle of this occupation, in the middle of some of the darkest days of your life, I am with you. Come on, let's praise him one more time that he's, that he's with us. I'm so grateful for that. So I don't have to be afraid. 
And then I love what Mary says to the angel. She says, well, that's cool and all, but how's this going to happen? Since I haven't known a man, I'm a virgin. How's this going to be? And the angel of the Lord says, some of the most powerful theology you will ever hear in your life. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Oh my gosh. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. This is important that we get this. And I know this isn't Pentecost Sunday. This is around Christmas time. But Jesus is really... The forerunner, if John is the forerunner of Jesus, Jesus is a forerunner of his spirit. What we've been talking about over the past few weeks and even a couple months now is we've been talking about listening to Jesus. And what we have declared is that Jesus is the best and only representation of God that God wants us to see. Everything that we look at in Scripture, God wants us to see it through the lens of Jesus Christ. He is the perfect expression of God. When God wanted to declare who he was, he sent his only begotten son. So if Jesus tells us about the Father, then the importance of the Holy Spirit is that he, the Holy Spirit, reveals Jesus to us. This is good. Because all we have, listen to me, please. All we have in this gathering today, if we do not have the Holy Spirit, all we have is Sunday school. All this is, is academia. It's a Bible study. And I love Bible studies. But what happened to us sometime over the past few decades and maybe even a couple of centuries is we have relegated the spirit of God to the fourth person of the Godhead that we created. We created a new Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, here goes Robbie Screaming about the Bible again. I love the Bible. I'm preaching from the Bible. But what we have done is we have, listen to, please listen to me. We have begun worshiping a book they did not have instead of a spirit they did have. (laughs) So no wonder we are unlike the early church. Because we have gathered around a book they didn't have and ignored the spirit they did have. Oh man, I love the Bible, but the Bible only comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus only comes through the Holy Spirit. This is, this is, how do you know, how do you know this to be true? Just look at our silly Ivy League institutions. Harvard, Yale, Princeton. You know, they all started out as Bible colleges. (laughs) But that's what you get when all you do is focus on the book and you ignore the spirit. 
They started out as Bible colleges and now they can't even decide if terrorist groups calling for the extermination of Jews is wrong. So if... Come on, so if, if Harvard can lose its way and they began in the Bible then we can lose our way if the Bible becomes the fourth person of the Godhead replacing the Holy Spirit. Because what you have if you have a book without the Spirit is academia, knowledge. You've got Sunday school, but you have no power to transform lives. You have a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. We have... In the day we live in, we have more Bible experts than any other time in human history. We have easier access to the Bible more than any other time in human history, and we have more chaos and darkness than we have ever had. John 6 and 63, Jesus said, Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. If they just become ink on paper, they lose their power. Jesus said it, John chapter five, verse 39. He said, you diligently pour over the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life and you fail to come to me for life. So the Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus. Let me give you three ways you know that your theology is bankrupt. Number one, it has no power to transform. Number two, it's motivated by fear. And number three, it makes you restless. So Jesus reveals the Father. The Holy Spirit reveals the Son. Jesus, listen, listen to this. Jesus himself thought that the presence of the Holy Spirit was so important that he said it's better for him to come and be here than for me to stay. And some of us run around like, man, I really wish I lived in the time of Jesus. The people who lived in the time of Jesus would be saying, man, I, lived, I wish I lived in your time, in the time of the Spirit, where it wasn't just Emmanuel, God with us, it was Spirit, God in us. So Jesus said in John 16, verses 7 through 15, he said, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. How do you think John wrote the book of Revelation? By the Spirit. He said, 14, verse 14, he said, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that, the, all that belongs to the Father is mine. 
This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. In other words, Jesus is saying everything that belongs to me, the Spirit of God will give it to you. So the Spirit of God, listen to what the Bible says about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says the Spirit of God is how we experience the love of God. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. No wonder we have missed the point of the Bible because we haven't gone to the Spirit of God. We haven't been filled with the Spirit of God. And we can't understand that the God who wants to reveal himself in Scripture is the God who sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. So no wonder people can read the same book you read and come to crazy conclusions. Because if you read this without the Spirit of God, you won't understand God. Because you can't understand God without Jesus, and the Spirit of God reveals Jesus to you. Oh, man. But if He's just some weird fourth person of the Godhead that we bring out on Pentecost Sunday, and all He is is speaking in tongues and and a good church service and goosebumps, we will miss his importance. The Holy Spirit teaches us that we are even God's children. Galatians 4 and 6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So Mary says, How is this going to happen? And the angel introduces her into this realm of the spirit where all things are possible. This realm of the spirit where you don't need what you think you need to accomplish the will of God in your life. She says, I don't know a man. And the spirit says, you don't need what you think you need to do what God has called you to do. And some of you in this room are waiting for all of the natural things to line up for you to do what God is asking you to do. But this isn't, if God asks you to do it, he asks you to do it because you can't do it. He asks you to do it because it cannot be done in your own strength. He asks you to do it because you cannot come up with the strategy to accomplish it. If God asks you to do it, then that means his spirit is required to do it. Because it won't be by might and it won't be by power, but it'll be by the spirit of the Lord. You won't be able to get any credit because it won't be by man's strength. It won't be by your brain power. It will be by the spirit of the living God. And I just came to tell somebody in this room, you don't need what you think you need to do what God has called you to do. For a second, let's jump out of Luke chapter 1 and let's go to John chapter 6. Let's jump out of Luke chapter 1 and go to John chapter 6. I want to show you something. I talked a little bit about this to our serve team a few weeks ago. But I want you to see something about about how Jesus is trying to teach the disciples. He's trying to teach them a different way to view lack. So watch what happens here in John chapter 6, verse 1. After some time, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming to him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Look at what Jesus was doing. He asked this only to test him, (laughs) for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Listen to me. God doesn't need us to be involved in his plan He wants us to be involved in his plan. He wants to include you. You should go ahead and thank God right now that God, even though he's going to do whatever he wants to do, he graced you by asking you. And if you're going to get involved, you have to see lack differently. Look what he says. Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip answers him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? A couple things I want you to see here. Jesus is teaching us something that we need to understand about being positioned to experience the best that God has for us. Jesus, the Bible says, he goes up this mountain And then he sits down. He goes up this mountain and then he sits down. And I think what we have in the church today is a lot of people who are trying to sit down without first going up. A lot of people who are also trying to go up without sitting down. So before Jesus feeds the crowd that day, he gives the disciples an instruction. He says, tell the people to sit down. I think one of the things that God wants you to do in, this, in the end of this year, you know, sometimes people come in and they're like, we need to end this year strong. I, I think we need to end this year sitting down. I think, we need to end, I think we need to end this year and begin the next year mimicking the posture of Jesus. I'm going to go up high so that I can sit down. And until they mimicked the posture of Jesus, they couldn't get what Jesus was trying to give to them. And I'm telling some of you in this room today that there are some things that God cannot give to you until you sit down. Because if you get it while you're standing up, you will think that it was your strength that got it. But it's only when you sit down that you realize that you didn't bring it to you. God himself brought it to you. It was... So he says, hey, where can we find bread? Philip's answer is, we don't have enough money. That wasn't the question. That wasn't the question, was it? Jesus asked where. He didn't ask how much. In other words, he's telling you and I the same thing he was telling Philip. There is a supply. You just need to find it. You are looking for money Jesus is looking for someone with bread. That's why the worst kind of decisions you make in life is chasing money. Because you think that God needs money to do what he wants to do. God says, I'm looking for bread. You and I spend our lives chasing money. 
God is saying, I'm trying to give you something better than money. I'm actually trying to tap you in to the supply that feeds you. I'm not just trying to give you a promotion on your job. I'm trying to give you a life. At the end of this story, we realize they get leftovers. So they don't, they start out with not enough, but they end up with more than enough. And the problem with chasing money is that you always end up with just enough, not enough. But when you chase after the supply, er, This was a picture of Jesus getting us to the point where he says, hey, 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 I want you to see something. I'm the bread. Jesus is trying to say, if you will spend your life chasing me, pursuing me, you won't have to chase money. You'll have a life full of leftovers because you chase the one who actually supplies what you're looking for. So another principle that God wants us to understand is that anytime God wants to do something in your life, most of the time he uses people. And we're looking for a promotion. God is looking for a person. We're looking for a leg up. God is looking for a person. We're looking for an advantage. God is looking for a person. Let me give you the most vivid illustration I could possibly give. Years ago, I've told this story multiple times here at our church. Years ago, there's a pastor named Tommy Barnett who started the Dream Centers in California. A real father in the faith. But before he started the Dream Centers, the Dream Center was this idea in his heart. The Dream Center, they actually bought an entire hospital in Los Angeles And they used this hospital to help people coming out of prison, to help the homeless, to recover. And you can imagine one of the greatest homeless needs in our country is in Los Angeles, California. And what they do there is they rehabilitate people. They don't just provide uh, a a meal, but they actually provide education and try to train people to provide for themselves. This was a dream that was in his heart, had no way in his financial ability to do it, just something that God had put in his heart that he had no way to do. One day, he's coming back from a conference. He's on a plane. He's sitting on a plane, and beside him is sitting this guy in a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and he wants to talk to Pastor Tommy Barnett. But Pastor Tommy Barnett is tired because he's just spent his afternoon preaching to thousands of people. He just wants to get home. This guy keeps trying to talk to him, and he's just really not really interested in what this guy has to say. He, he, you know, he loves people, but he's tired. You ever been there? I love you, but I'm sleepy. So he wants to rest, but God just keeps impress- put, putting on his heart, you need to talk to this man, you need to talk to this man. So he turns and begins to have this conversation with this man. And the man asked him during the conversation, what's, what's something that you dream about? What's something that you would love to do in your life? And he tells, Pastor Tommy tells him about all of the dreams that he has as far as the dream centers. And no big deal. They're not even sitting in first class. So you can imagine, you're not sitting in first class. This guy really doesn't have anything to offer me. Um, so Pastor Dami, he tells him the story. They have a conversation. At the end of the flight, they're getting off the flight. The guy 
gets up out of his seat. He turns to Pastor Tommy. He says, as we were talking, the Lord put it on my heart. And he gave him his card. Come to find out this guy was in, in the oil business. The reason he's got tons of money is because he's not wasting money on first class seats. Um, <laughs> and he tells Pastor Tommy, he says, this dream that you have in your heart, God put it on my heart to finance whatever God tells you to do. Think about this. You're looking for money. God's looking for a person. He said, where can we get bread? Not how much. And if your focus in life is how much, you will chase money and money will disappoint you every time. But if your focus is where is the supply? And Jesus is ultimately pointing to himself as the bread of life. If you will pursue the supplier, you will never lack supplies. Why? Because bread for everyone starts with bread from someone. I'll never forget, years ago I was in the altar standing here and talking to people and there was this guy, I was talking to a guy, but there was this guy behind the guy that I was talking to that was, I could tell he really wanted to get to me and he was anxious and, and the guy in front of me was, was talking to me, he was telling me how God had blessed his business. He's like, God's been blessing my business, I don't even, it makes no sense. He's like, I can't hire enough people, I, I, I really need some people with these skills, these specific, specific skills and and all of this stuff, and he's telling me about all these opportunities that he has for people. And I'm like, it's amazing. And so we pray together, and he turns, and when he turns, he reaches out his hand. I'll never forget this. Reaches out his hand to shake the hand of the guy that's getting ready to come up and talk to me. Well, the guy that's getting ready to come up and talk to me completely ignores him. Puts his hand out. The guy behind him, he just completely ignores him because he's trying to get to me. And he gets to me. And you know what he tells me? He's like, Pastor... I lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I watched as a job walked out of the building because he thought I was the most important person in the room that day. <laughs> he missed his opportunity. A hand was literally put out to him and he didn't take it. I'm just telling you, sometimes you're looking for the wrong thing, and God is looking for a person. That's why you better pay attention to every person that God puts in your path, because you never know who has the bread. And the person with the bread could be the person you don't want it to be. <laughs> a lot of people are like, I don't want to go to that church. He didn't wear suits, and he doesn't act like my previous pastor, and he doesn't do this, and he does all that, but he's got the bread. <laughs> He's got bread. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> mm. Bread for everyone starts with bread from someone. Watch this. In Matthew 15, when Jesus feeds 4,000, here in, in, uh, in John chapter 6, he's feeding 5,000. In Matthew 15, he, fe he feeds 4,000. In Matthew 15, he starts out with more. He starts out with more to feed 4,000 than he has to feed 5,000. In Matthew 15, he's got seven pieces of bread and a few fish. In John chapter 6, he's got five pieces of bread and two fish. Less is more. 
I'm telling you, you don't need what you think you need to accomplish the will of God. They started with more. Listen, started with more in Matthew 15. Ended up with leftovers, but less leftovers than in John chapter 6 when they started with less. It's as if God is trying to tell you all throughout the Bible. We can even go back to Gideon. Gideon starts out with thousands, 30,000. God says, hey, that's too many. How many do you want, God? He ends up with 300. Less is more. And I came, this should be encouraging to some of you because you don't have a whole lot. But what that means is you're going to have a whole lot left over. Anybody want to give God praise, a little preemptive praise that says, I thank you for what I have because it's not a lot. But if I don't have a lot, that means I'm going to have a lot left over. Come on, somebody, you should give God a praise right now for leftovers. Woo! This is good. How will this happen? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I was talking to a friend recently. They said to me, their child had just celebrated his 12th birthday. They were born around the same time Oliver was born. And I said to him, I said, man, I just can't imagine what it's been like to, to go through all you've gone through with, with your child and this pain and the suffering. The child was born with a disease called lysencephaly. It's smooth brain. The, the pathways on the brain never develop. And she's, she's unable to talk, unable to walk, unable to really communicate in any kind of way. Loses control of her, of her body. Is fed through a tube for 12 years. And I said, man, I just can't. Imagine what you've walked through. I, I can't imagine. I'm looking at my healthy son and I'm crying. And he looks back at me and he goes, what are you talking about? He said, bro, she was supposed to die when she was three. She's 12. We've got nine more years than we were supposed to have. Less is more. I'm thinking because I'm the one with healthy, a healthy son, I'm the one with more. <laughs> he said, no, I've gotten more. Because you were supposed to get 12 years with your kid. He's healthy. I was only supposed to get three. I've got more. I wonder if anybody with a little wants to stand up this morning and say, I got more. I've got more. I've got more. I don't know what your less is in the room today, but it's more through the power of the Holy Ghost. With men, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible to him that believes. I want you to look at what is less in your life and see it differently. I want you to look at it and say, it's more than enough. As a matter of fact, when God gets done with this, there's going to be leftovers in my life. Jesus, come on, somebody. He's the first of many sons. 
he seems all alone in that manger, all alone on that cross. But he's not. For the joy set before him, he endured it. Why? Because he knew he was the seed that looked like little, but it would become much. It would become this room and this community and this city and this nation and the world full of sons. What looks like a little is more than enough. And I don't know what you, maybe you've lost a lot. And I don't know what you have left today. But I came to tell you, what's going to be done in you is going to be done by the Holy Spirit. And it's going to multiply and be more than you ever could have imagined. Father, in Jesus' name, with every head bowed in this room, every eye closed if you can. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the Spirit of God that reveals that less is more. And we ask you today to help us to see that. If there's anybody in this room who say, Robbie, man, I feel disconnected from God. I feel far from God. Maybe there are people in this room today who have no idea if your life were to end in this moment or in these coming days, you have no idea where you would spend eternity. And can I tell you, you don't have to spend the rest of your life wondering that. You can have your life sealed up by the Holy Spirit today. You can be sure that your home is heaven. If that's you and you feel disconnected from God and you want to be brought near to God, maybe it's for the first time, maybe it's you're coming back home today. I'm going to count to three. When I do, I just want you to throw your hand up and we're going to pray with you. And I believe in this moment that supernatural change is happening in your life. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, three, throw up your hand in this room today. I see you back there. Anybody else? I see you. I see you, young man. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see you there. Four, five, six, seven. Awesome. Come on. Come on, church. Can we go ahead and before we pray, can we put our hands together and bless the Lord that maybe there's somebody online that's watching right now and you're throwing your hand up in your room saying, I need him too. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. She gave your life for me. Here's my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody, let's put our hands together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, the next time I see you, it'll be Christmas Eve. I love it. Have the best day. We'll see you soon. And if you prayed that prayer or you need prayer, we'd love to meet with you up front, talk to you. Also, you can text the word decision that's on the screen to the number on the screen, and we'll contact you and try to keep in touch with you. God bless you.